And so when we finally got there, he got back later on that day and, and he said, hey man, if, if I get this job, will you come with me? And there's probably, you know, a few people in your life that, that no matter what they ask you, you're gonna do whatever it is. And, and, and Sean's one of those guys. And so I'm like, sure. And then uh, um, we're talking about it. And then he ended up getting the interview with the, or actually it was the other way around. He interviewed with, with New Orleans first. He got an interview. Then he went to Green Bay. And then I think he had a second interview with New, or New Orleans that whole time. And um, things go on. And, and he ends up getting the job. And we came down here. And, and you know, that was uh, 15 years ago. I'm going into my 16th season here, you know, with New Orleans, won a Super Bowl. And, where can you turn when you're in pain? Turn to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, where more high school, college, and pro athletes turn, where your neighbors and weekend warriors turn, where you'll get immediate access to expert orthopedic specialists, physical therapy, and imaging at 15 convenient locations throughout the greater Cincinnati area. When you're in pain, turn to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine and get superior care on your schedule. Visit beaconortho.com to schedule your appointment. That's the Beacon difference. Coach Dan Dalrymple, welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your uh, your offseason with the Saints and joining you know my co-host here, Kyle Decker, and I on the Underdog Podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. It's great to see you guys again. Absolutely. It's been this, a- this man is the GOAT of Miami University. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it at – he is a very much – they should have a statue. Talk about the cradle of coaches. Let's get a Dan Dalrymple statue. It's well-deserved. It, it's hard to it's hard Oxford, to believe Ohio. somebody who could make you throw up as many times as he did. <laughs> someone that you beloved so much. Yeah, he is the most <laughs> – you are, Coach – the most loved man. So hopefully you don't forget about us. I know you got this historic NFL career, but don't don't forget about some our Miami guys now. Well, I, I don't do podcasts for just anybody, man. It's, you know, it's like kind of you guys are at the top of my list. So here we go. Let's make yeah. it happen. So so I heard on the on the list of Coach D's uh, Mount Rushmore, it goes Drew Brees, maybe Ben Roethlisberger when his time at Miami. You know, we we'll get maybe Michael Thomas and then Reggie Bush, Kyle Decker. That's what I've heard. Whoa. Well, you know, I was his favorite we'll fifth string quarterback. Switch John Vilma for Reggie Bush, but that's exactly how. It was. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I've thought, Coach, since you left Miami, because I was there. I remember, and in, in, in you said, and I'll never forget, you came to the team room and said, "Hey guys," and you're emotional. Obviously, you've been there for a long time, and there's only uh, 32 jobs in the NFL, and the job I'm about to take the head strength coach of the New Orleans Saints. And uh, it's an opportunity I can't pass up. And I remember that speech you gave us and something that always lasts with me. But um, I then thought, I said, wow, man, he's really going working from a, a knucklehead like me to Drew Brees and Reggie Bush. Yeah. <laughs> I said, holy cow. I said, oh, man, he, he he just definitely leveled up like 400 levels above my head. But anyway, we're, we love you and uh, look forward to getting your story. Um. So let's get in. We always talk about what's that underdog moment or maybe even that moment of adversity or, you know, maybe just taking a leap of faith. And as Kyle just talked about, you know, you spent, uh, you know, was it 25 years or so um, at Miami University um, as a player, then, you know, the strength and conditioning coordinator. Um, but then in 2006, you got an opportunity to to jump into the NFL. Um, and I want to go back to really that moment in time and you know the events and how that really kind of came to be and what was your mindset 
leaving, you know, a mid-American conference and going again to one of only 32 jobs in the NFL? Well, it, it goes farther back. Um, and it, again, it's all the Miami ties and, and you start to see it. it. It goes on. You know, we used to talk about it in recruiting about how, you know, you make a decision to go to university and you're tying yourself to that university and all the men that went before you, all the people you're going to meet and all that. And, you know, if you want to be part of a cool club or do you want to be part of a not so cool club? And luckily, I think Miami is about the coolest club that you can get. And, and so if you go back to 1994, I'm coaching under uh, the late, great uh, Randy Walker. I was his strength coach and, and we had, we hired a new quarterback coach and Sean Payton and, uh, we uh, formed a relationship back then, and he was there in 94, 95 season. He went on to Illinois for a year and a uh, brief stop at Maryland, and then he, he made the jump into the NFL with the Philadelphia Eagles and was kind of John Gruden's assistant there. Um, uh, and so he, uh, um, he started there, and then he went on to the Giants and then the Cowboys, and then in, in, in 06 had the opportunity to interview and, and got the job here. But it was one of those deals where – we would sit around on Brookville Lake. Aaron Cromer, who was our tight end coach at that time, ended up becoming an offensive line coach and is an offensive line coach in, a, in our league now. Um, was actually with McVay the last few years in with him anymore. But um, uh, we would sit on Aaron's boat, and you know there'd be some point where Sean would go, you know, hey man, someday I'm going to be a head coach, and you're going to be my strength coach, and you're going to, and Aaron's going to be my offensive line coach, and you know. So when he left, periodically over the years, I'd get a phone call from, you know, we'd see each other about once a year. We'd try to get together. Um, but I get a phone call and it would be, hey, man, I'm putting the band back together. I'm trying to get, you know, this job wherever. And, and so obviously in, in 06 or in January of 06, um, it was, uh, he was actually interviewing for Green Bay and he was interviewing for um, New Orleans. And, um, it was kind of weird how it happened because we, the AFCA convention was in Dallas and he was living in Dallas and we had had a plan that, um, you know, if, uh, if they weren't in the playoffs, we were going to go down early for the, um, the AFCA convention and we were going to spend time with Peyton's and we're going to have a good time, whatever. And so kind of came down to the last game and they, uh, Dallas didn't make the playoffs. And so we're flying down we're thinking, okay, we're going to have a good time with the, you know, with the Paytons, it'll be great. And we we call. I think our connection was in Atlanta, and Beth tells uh, 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 Sean's former wife. Beth tells my wife, "Hey, you know, not so fast because uh, Sean's not going to be here. He's interviewing with the Green Bay Packers." And so when we finally got there, he got back later on that day, and and he said, "Hey, man, if if I get this job, will you come with me?" And there's probably. You know, a few people in your life that that no matter what they ask you, you're going to do whatever it is. And, and and Sean's one of those guys. And so I'm like, sure. And then uh, um, we're talking about it. And then he ended up getting the interview with the – or actually, it was the other way around. He interviewed with, with New Orleans first. He got an interview. Then he went to Green Bay. And then I think he had a second interview with New, or New Orleans that whole time. And um, things go on. And, and he ends up getting the job. And we came down here and, and – you know, that was uh, 15 years ago. I'm going into my 16th season here, you know, with New Orleans, won a Super Bowl. And, you know, it's been a pretty good run. So, you know, but it was it was a difficult. And he wasn't sure if I was going to leave Miami because I kind of made 
few years before that in 03, um, I had an opportunity to go to the University of Colorado and, and, and at the last second decided not to do that. And I kind of made this decision like, hey, man, I'm going to be I'm going to be a lifer at Miami. I'm going to be an assistant athletic director, which I was for the last three years. And that might have pushed me over the edge to become a, a full time strength coach again, to be honest with you. Uh, that, the administrative uh, duties were not. I like wearing, you know, at the time it was a red t shirt, now it's a black t shirt, but that's, you know, that's my business attire now. So, you know, I, I enjoy being a, a coach much more than an administrator, I think. So, now, did you a, get that story? Now, you was your first season um, the season back after Katrina? Yes, yes. We uh, we came in when we got down here. You know, it's one of those stories that you tell it now, and there's no way. I mean, we get down here, and it is devastated. Um, you know, it was it was really something. You know, we didn't have a place to play. Our first our preseason games were all on the road. We had our our training camp in Jackson, Mississippi, and we played a a game up there. We played Dallas actually in Shreveport, which was our other home game. We didn't play our first home game until it was week three on Monday night football versus the Atlanta Falcons. And, uh, you know, it was the homecoming and, you know, they were, you know, they were still working on the dome. I think the morning of the game, it's like it was Monday and not Sunday because we would have been, you know, I don't know if our locker room would have been done there. So they worked really hard to get it done, which is, which is, an, is something else here in New Orleans, because, you know, our, we, in, in New Orleans, we, we uh, live to work. We don't work to live, you know, we live, work to live, not live to work. So, um, you know, getting things done quickly here is, is not necessarily uh, that easy in the big easy. So they got it done and we got in there and, and Steve Gleason blocked the punt and, and, we got rolling and we actually we, we started off ironically against my, you know, childhood favorite NFL team, the, the, the Cleveland Browns. We beat them and then we went to Green Bay and beat them. And, and then we came home for uh, for the for the Falcons, which is our biggest rival. And we beat them. So we were off to the races and they had only won. The Saints had only won three games a year before when they were displaced uh, during the Katrina year. So, you know, we matched that total in the first three games and then we ended up uh, – Going on to the, um, we were one game away from the Super Bowl. We we lost to the Bears in the in the NFC Championship game, but uh, that was it was a story run. We had probably it's either the 06 draft class um, with Reggie Bush, ended up with Reggie, Reggie Bush and Roman Harper and Marcus Colston, and Zach Streif and and, and Ninkovich and all these these guys. The Jari Evans, one of the greatest guards that's ever played in the NFL, and um, uh, that draft class or our Alvin Kamara. Um, Ryan Ramchek, Marshawn Lattimore, 17 draft class to, to, to you know, there's the argument there of which draft class is the best and one of the best in, in NFL history, but we'll, uh, we, uh, uh, things came together for us as they happen to do usually for coach Payton. He, um, he had definitely has the luck of the Irish going for him. <laughs> to work out for him, no which doubt. is another reason why I came with him. I was like, Hey man, I'm jumping on this. I'm jumping on this band because it's gonna, it's gonna go somewhere. So, yeah. And you've, talk about 16 on a 16th season congratulations on that and then in 2010 i believe right 9 10 season you won the super yep. bowl right won the super bowl yep so the yep. good old so Vince good Lombardi thing you trophy. didn't go to colorado yeah. because the way yep. things yep. align you ended up like yep. you just you got a chance well, to win the super I got, bowl i got to experience our 2003 team there at miami you know Ben's last year which was a fantastic year and a lot and, and greatest one team of the ever years i've had in coaching and and then you know, a few years later, got to experience the Super Bowl, and 
unfortunately have experienced a number of uh, near misses, which is uh, probably actually more memorable than the, than the bowl itself. You always, you know, you tend to, as you get older, um, unfortunately the, the, the highs in coaching are about the same, but the lows are even lower. So, you know, I, I think I remember every single player talking about this. Uh, we are actually at, at Coach Payton was married uh, this weekend in Cabo. We're down there and, and uh, we're talking about it. But I, I remember the all the plays of the games that, that we lost and didn't make it to the Super Bowl. And that's that's the only the only downside of winning a Super Bowl is that you actually realize how awesome it is to win a Super Bowl. And then you know what you're missing every year after that. So every year, it's like ah. So, but uh, you know, we're, we'll keep we'll keep plugging along. We've got a lot. We've got a number of good players, and, and we're gonna, you know, this will be a big year for us because it's the first year without Drew Brees. So that's it's gonna be a new transition, and we'll see if you know Jameis or Taysom end up being the the guy, and and we'll move forward from there. Yeah. Speaking of Drew Brees, yeah. um, he's a guy I think being one of the best football players in my opinion of all time. Um, can you give maybe a different lens to those that might not know Drew? But I think a lot of people in the Underdog Podcast, Coach, I mean, are come to our platform to find maybe a knowledge nugget or two from yourself or even maybe someone you've worked with that has been elite at their career or position. What makes, I mean, obviously most people know Drew Brees, but what makes that man, you know, as special as he was? His, his superpower, so to speak, is his ability, his discipline, and his toughness, and and that goes together and allows him to have a work ethic that is, in my opinion, unparalleled. And you know, because if you look at Drew Brees as a physical specimen, now he's a much better athlete than people give him credit for. He, he's a tremendous foot athlete. He's a tr- he's, he's one of those guys that. You know, if he picks up a, a sport, he tries something, he's going to be pretty good at it right away. And, but his, his, you know, he's just, he's incredibly, incredibly tough. And I think to be a quarterback in this league with the amount of hits that you take, even not counting sacks, um, just, you know, every play they're getting hit and, and, and they're getting hit by guys that are, regardless, if you're Ben Roethlisberger, who's a giant, or if you're Drew Brees, who's not, you're getting hit by guys who are a lot bigger, stronger, faster than you are. And uh, play after play after play. And to be able to get up and to be able to play as many games, you know, the last couple of years he missed a few games, uh, you know, but he's in his 40s and, and had some a couple of freak things happen. He played through it. He didn't, you know, he played really, especially his, his last year, probably played with some injuries that would have sidelined a lot of people, never says anything about it, um, fights through it, you know, so that um, he was able to practice and everything. So, you know, there was nothing, people say, oh, you know, it wasn't reported. Well, no, because he practiced and he did all the things he's supposed to do. He was just, you know, kind of playing through a lot of pain and um, he was able to do what he needed, but it was obviously, you know, very tough. And, and so he had that. And, 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 you know, every day I, I walk in the weight room, you know, I get here usually, you know, between 4.30 and 5 o'clock in the morning on, on game or on um, in-season days. And I would walk in with Drew Brees or he would already be here. And he'd be watching film and he'd be working out. And he would, you can set, you know, I say this, it's almost like he has made OCD. He's like fully functioning OCD because everything is exactly the same. It's perfect. If, if I had a son who was going to be a quarterback, I would say measure yourself, you know, try to be like Drew 
because Drew has every aspect of his performance, he found a way to maximize. You know, he is six foot tall, even. You know, there is no six point, oh, no, six or five, it's six foot tall, exactly. And yet his uh, delivery and his throwing is, is higher than a lot of guys. And his ability to step in the pocket and find that open window so he can see the field and throw down there and his accuracy, you know, you would watch him over and over again. You know, um, most people don't, you know, everybody wants to be great. Right. But what happens is most people don't have the, the discipline to be great every single second of every day and do the same thing over and over. And usually human nature is as you have success, you become a little bit complacent. You give up, and, and this is a guy that for, like I said, for 15 years, you know, and this is also a guy that when we got him, you know, we were the only team, he was in free agency. We were the only team that was willing to sign him because he had a horrific uh, injury. Basically his arm, his throwing arm was almost ripped off his body. And to be able to just come back from that and play it all, yet let alone to have basically a Hall of Fame, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer yep. um, career after that, it just is a testament to him. I can't say, you know, I could talk for for the rest of the day and go into however long and could never really get across his greatness. But it, it was just amazing to see every day. And, and, and the only thing that probably overwhelms his you know, uh, his work ethic and all those things is, is the, the type of the caliber of person that he is, the caring teammate, the caring father, the, you know, just a, just a wonderful, wonderful human being as well. And, and so I can't say enough good things about him. Yeah. And you, you talk about coach him being the top of profession. Appreciate that. But we're here to talk about you as well. In 2018, yeah. coach Dalrymple was named uh, the top strength coach in the NFL can you shed light on, you know, we look back at your career, like you said, 83 to 86, I believe player at Miami, then assistant coach till 2005, six now, basically had two employers, an incredible career. What is something, coach, outside of getting up at four in the morning, <laughs> which is awesome, morning routine is a very important in my Probably opinion. 3.30 because I live an hour away. So well, there anyway. you go. So 3.30 <laughs> even. What time do you go to bed? Uh, it depends. Depends on how much reading I have to do. There's a lot of stuff to learn in this job. So I, I have to constantly, constantly working at it. So, you know, usually, usually a little, I usually try to kind of slow down around nine or nine 30. And I've been trying in my old age to get a little bit more. I've got my, my, uh, my watch that keeps track of my sleep cycles and I'm trying to get more sleep. We have a sleep specialist that uh, was on me quite a bit when she found out I was getting like four hours of sleep a night. So I've been trying to push it to about seven, but you know what we work on it so there you go so a lot, you know there's just a lot to do yeah you know? yeah <laughs> there is a lot that i'm, I'm you don't sure miss anything yeah you know? no <laughs> doubt so what te walk us through i think that people listening would be pretty inquisitive so you wake up at 3 30 right you're getting to the to the office between 4 and 4 30 or i guess 4 30 and then walk us through a day in season you know i know in season out season is different but just to talk about can you're talking about you and drew Brees there you know, yeah. four thirty on. Like, what's a typical day in the life of, so, of you now? So in season, in season, um, we're going to open up the weight room usually uh, ninety minutes before our first our first team meeting. And depending on when that team meeting, it slides around a little bit. Lately, again, based on the sleep specialist, uh, coaches tried to have it um, 
the team meeting at 9 a.m. But and so that would mean we we're open by 7:30. So I don't like to work out myself when uh, I have any players in. So that's one of the reasons why I come in early. So I, I make sure everything gets ready. Um, you know, we have more and more technology and things we're using. So there's more setup actually before we open the weight room. Uh, but I usually try to get my workout in. Um, I do some type of lifting or, or, or like kind of uh, high intensity interval cardio type work, um, which just, you know, just kind of keeps you in shape and, and, and that. And so I'll get that knocked out and uh, maybe grab some breakfast or whatever. And then, the, you know, depending on when, you, even though we open up at 730, there's still guys that come in earlier because, you know, when we, we have, we pride ourselves on the work ethic that our team has. And so we have a number of guys who like to get in first thing in the morning and have work to do, even if it's just uh, mobility work or, or, you know, getting ready, whatever. So we're working, we're available for them. I have my assistant, uh, Charles Bird, who's from Oxford and yep. was there at Miami with us, and, or actually after I, got, I left and then I hired him from there. He's my top assistant and Rob Winning is, is from Ohio as well. Um, he uh, came down and ended up being a GA at LSU and I hired him uh, back in 10 um here so the three of us are available for our players at all times and so we have that we have a team meeting after that um after the team meeting goes special teams we're not necessarily in there that's when i kind of do a lot of my paperwork and things like that um we'll have like after special teams the specialists a lot of times will come in and do their workouts and so we're available for them go right after practice as we get closer to practice guys come in and do some prep work and want to do some work to get you know stretched and warmed up and ready to go for practice and you know if we're on the field uh say 11 30 for walkthrough and um you know we're going to be on the field if we get on there you know 11 11 30 we're going to be off by uh two o'clock or, or 1 32 o'clock and then uh, we have a, a lifting group after practice um this is on practice day wednesday thursday friday um Mondays are a little different day after a game. We have different schedule, um, but we're still in early. And, uh, you know, basically you're at the uh, beck and call of the players because they are what, they're the, they're the talent. They're the, they're the team that makes it go. And so we need to make sure that they're ready to go. And I always say an NFL game is like a, is like a car wreck. And so these guys get pretty beat up. And then we have seven days, hopefully, sometimes less, we're playing a Thursday night game or if we're playing a Monday and then another Sunday um, to get these guys back to being ready to play another car wreck. You know, so that in season is that not only are we trying to maintain the things we gained over the off season, it's just basically get them back to, you know, being able to do, you know, this is a hundred percent injury sport. Um, you know, everybody has got something they're dealing with at some point of the season and you're just hoping that they can still practice and play and prepare and, and then execute the, the, their, to the best of their abilities afterwards. So we're doing that and that's Monday, you know, and then we have um, Fridays are a little different. It's a little bit earlier uh, in terms of being off the field, but we have additional uh, recovery things that, that myself and our, and our sports medicine team are in charge of. We have yoga available and mobility and we have all kind of every kind of uh, recovery type, you know, device that you know our trainers are doing dry needling and chiropractors here and just all this stuff it's kind of it's like a nascar you know you got this whole group of people getting the car ready and everything well the car is the player so we're going through that and then saturday we we do uh meetings and walkthroughs and then if we're traveling we jump on the plane and go to where we're going and uh, meetings in the evening and then get up and play the game and 
if we're if we're good, we we don't play at noon. We play or noon central. We play at you know the the later time slots or the night games. And so we've been lucky enough over the last few years that we've had a lot of prime time games. So that changed their schedule. But then we come back and after the game and we start it all over again. And you do that, you know, hopefully for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and, and you know and, and ideally in February. But it's a it's a busy thing, but it's it's very enjoyable because you get to see these great athletes and their work habits and the things that they do. Um, and, uh, you get to be part of it. So, you know, that's, uh, you live vicariously a little bit as a coach, you always, Randy Walker used to say, as a coach, you're a hero worshiper. And, you know, we get to be hero worshipers every day and see our players go on. And it's no different in college. Cause you feel the same way about, you know, the guys that you coach in, in college because it's not easy there either. And, and so, uh, um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I know. Hold on, real quick. I, I know we were talking before the podcast about if you're overweight. I just I calculated my head, my desired weight to where I'm at, and it's about thirty grand of fine. <laughs> so well, that's I need I to have the coach D roll in my life and say, hey, it's per pound. There's a dollar amount, and if I'm over that, I pay a fee. I'm thinking, you know what? Start a jar. That's that's an expensive over. That's you an got, expensive yeah, you'd out be, of shape. You'd be paying some. You'd be paying. He'd be paying some dollars, coach. We, so. We've had a few linemen over the years that have been because uh, all the all the fine money ends up going to charity. Okay, so they've been pretty char- very charitable. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of good things that have come out of their uh, out of their um, a lack of being. Uh, you know, everyone's got an assigned weight, and if they're over, and then some guys have an assigned floor on their weight. So if they're under, they're paying the same. Sure. Fine, that so. could be me. Yeah. Now, one question I want to ask is you just talked about, you know, the discipline and, and, and whatnot. And a lot of times just reading about a lot of the NFL guys and knowing guys that have played like when you're at that level, working out is part of your job. But if yeah. you talked about guys have the discipline to get in early, what would you say to maybe a mother or father who are listening, who has a young athlete who want to develop or even a young athlete who's listening to how they could develop that accountability and that discipline early on to, to potentially, you know, further their, their career? Well, the first, the first thing I would say is um, I always try to, and I try to do this with my own kids. I have a 12 and a 13 year old, a 13 year old daughter who's into dance and, and my son's starting to play football. He's 12. And, and um, you know, first of all, I think it's so important that the, 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 the athlete themselves, the child themselves has a passion for what they're doing and whatever it is, I don't care what it is. You know, people would always ask me, you want your son to play football? And, and I was like, well, of course I would, because you know, <laughs> everything I have in my life is because of football. Right. So, you know, uh, and it's been fantastic to me. So I'd love to be able to have him have the same thing, but I really wanted to be passionate about it. And he's just started working out now. Um, and he's passionate about that, which obviously, you know, that's that's I'm very proud of that but I'd be proud of it you know if he was in music or in in drama or you know whatever it is you have to have a passion because if you don't have that passion it's impossible to have the discipline if you're not passionate about what you like if you don't love it and someone else is making you do it you know you'll you'll check off all the boxes but you're never going to be great at it because you're never great just checking boxes you have to have more. It's got to be, it's like, I do this job and people say, well, you put in all these hours, you know, you're working these 16 hour days and stuff like that. And you're getting up crazy hours in the morning and you're working. It's like, I've not worked. And I don't know, like, I think my last job, I worked construction back in, you know, 1987. That's the first time I was like, I had to go to work and like, you know, I didn't just love it. Um, so being a coach, you love doing your passion about it. I like it more every year. 
you know, um, just because you just love it. So, so you become passionate. So hopefully that you, you find something that the, that the person is passionate about. I would also encourage, and, and, and you know, a lot of times parents want to specialize and they want to, they want to look, they want to go from the top down to the bottom up. And they want to talk about, let's look at what a pro football player does in his life, as opposed to something else. Like don't do what a pro football player does. You're not a pro football player. Play every sport you can play because all the guys at this level, the best ones are multi-sport athletes. You know, Drew Brees is, he was a tennis player in high school and, and as a young by any baseball and, and, you know, every single thing he could play, he played. And that's the same thing with most of majority of our players. In fact, they all think they're NBA basketball. Players. <laughs> you know, that's the big argument, you know, like who's better, but, um, you know, so we have the Pelicans, our, our ownership owns the Pelicans as well. And so their facility is right across the parking lot from ours. So our guys are always trying to sneak over there and play basketball and show off their skills, right? But um, um, so, uh, and some of them probably could play professional basketball. But uh, uh, anyways, you know, do that. And then, and then once they do that, if you have that passion, you find the thing you're passionate about, you're not going to have to be pushed to be motivated because you're going to want to do it. You're going to want to do it. You're going to love doing it and you keep going. And, and, you know, you do that and keep working it. And don't worry about the end result. Worry about the process. You know, move through that and enjoy the journey. And then that'll take care of the success will take care of itself. You know, it's, it's that, you know, I think, you know, that's one of the things that sometimes players run into They're They're so worried about the end result, the end result, the end result that they overlook the process. And if you don't have the process in place, you can't be successful. I say this to our rookies all the time. I know a lot of, or not a lot, but a number of young players who don't have a great workout work ethic don't work hard and don't have a plan for what they're doing i don't know any old football any old nfl players that do that because you don't get to be an old nfl player unless you are willing to work really hard and have a plan of how you're going to attack that work it's not just like meaningless like running around trying to do everything like a, a, a chicken with your head cut off you you build a plan that you know what your body needs to do, what aspects are, you know, you need to, the things that you need to work on to improve. And a lot of times are the stuff, the difference between good and great players. So the great players are willing to focus on the things that they're not great at, as opposed to living in that comfort zone of, hey, you know, this is what I do well, and I'm just going to keep getting better at that. I'm going to ignore what I don't. That was a motivating factor for me. I failed as I had a great, um, uh, college career and, and I had an opportunity with the CLC Hawks in 1987 but I really didn't know what I didn't know I didn't know you know what I needed to do prepare so I continued to do all the things I was good I was strong in the weight room so you know you didn't have to yell at me tell me twice to go bench and squat but I needed to do some a lot of other things and that's what caused me to not have success and so one of the things when I became a coach I said I'm going to help my athletes do the things that they need to do to be great and, and, and work out worth them on that. And so, you know, that's what I did. And then and as I transitioned to the NFL, obviously it's, a, you know, I, I love my job because I don't cut anybody. You know, I can root for every single player. And I find myself most of the time spending a lot of time rooting for and working with our, what we would call our bottom of the roster guys. You know, there's, a, there's 53 men on a roster and then there's a practice squad. You know, I'm working with those guys that are, are struggling right now to maintain you know, older players who are trying to keep on the team or younger players are trying to break in. And, and I'm passionate about those guys because, you know, 
Michael Thomas is going to make our team. Alvin Kamara is going to make our team. I mean, they've already got their, you know, <laughs> barring a trade or something like else, they're going to be saints, right? So they're not worried about that. Not saying they don't work with them, but, but, you know, there's other guys that are fighting for those positions and those are the guys that you need to have them to be a great team. And so, you know, we're working on that, but, um, you know, that's, I know that was a long and winding. Uh, that's awesome. Deal. Yeah, no, I, I, think I, I heard, I heard uh, process and passion right? Somewhat self-awareness of identifying where your weaknesses are, but quick shout out. I'll tell you a lasting impact in, in how Miami's helped me coach D I was a walk on, had to earn a scholarship, but he treated me no differently than, you know, I was probably one Oh five of one Oh five, but he worked with me just as much as anybody. And I think that to me, and I'm glad it, obviously that's carried over into the NFL. I'm sure those guys really appreciate, like they said, it helps when you're at the bottom of the roster and you got your, your head strength coaches is, is got your back. I think that's a big, uh, a big appreciation from a player's perspective. But for sure. I'll, I'll add this too, to the flip side of that though, like coach said, a lot of us, you know, yourself, I, I myself for sure. Like we never reached our, what our full potential could be, could be cause you don't know what you don't know. I go back and I look at some of my teammates who were better than me and I'm like, wow, they put in the time and the effort and did the things, but it was, Later on in life, when I look back and I'm like, wow, they were putting in the extra time. And now you look in business and I'm like, well, I need to put that time into business and my family and different things. You just learn and grow as, as the years go by. So I think that was an awesome answer, coach. Um, you want to get into yeah, hot to, a little yeah, rapid yeah. fire? I know he's got some players out there in the weight room. I heard the weights clanging and the so, Gucci man back there in the background. Weights playing, we're good to go. It's when they when we hear it stop. I'll never forget. I know this is going trip down memory lane, but developmental lift. Uh, my freshman year, five a.m. He used yeah. to play. I'm an a real American. Little Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah. But you would do, we would hang. You you had to hang <laughs> uh, with your knee hanging knee raises until you you dropped. And if you dropped too early, we all started all over. So those are the things I'll never forget, Coach. You made mentally and physically tougher. They don't do that in the NFL. Yeah, they probably don't do that in the NFL. They just hit but, your pocket. But I'll tell you what, you, developmental you, squad, you I didn't want to. i at some of the, the, the silly competitions we'd into here. It's you know, <laughs> a little different, but, yeah, there's some stuff that happens. That... Uh, I'll, I'll never, last thing, the last story, I'll never forget, because the quarterbacks, Coach D had a little special spot for quarterbacks. So I remember he, he came up to our group, and at that time I think it was Betts, Kokel, Rodaball, and me, maybe, something of that sort. And he goes, what's your bench? And I was like, well, I'm trying to get over 300. He's like, you're getting 315 today. I said, yes, sir. He goes, I'll, I'll spot you. Let me know. It was like max out day. He's like, no quarterback will bench less than 315 on this in this school. And I was like a freshman. I was probably like 185. I was like, all right, Coach D, I need your help here. <laughs> I need a good spot. But anyway, I loved it, man. That mentality just, God, just just good stuff, man. I appreciate it. It's helped me be a better man Most today. Time you don't know what you're capable of doing. Sure. And that's my job as coaches is to make sure that guys never sell themselves. I tell our players all the time. I've been working with our rookies last week. And, like, man, don't sell yourself short. Sure. Because yeah. the, the world, don't join the chorus of the people who are naysayers. Yeah. You know? you got to believe in yourself and you've got to be willing to say i might be able to do better than i than i anticipate because i think there are more people who hold themselves back by a lack of expectation than people who overestimate their abilities when it's all said and done now there are people that will talk a big game and not really come through but in their hearts usually the people that talk the most are the ones that have the least amount of self-confidence and so part of my job is to make sure mentally 
is to make sure that you are pushing, you're willing to, you know, I can't push you any willing, any harder than you're willing to push yourself or have yourself pushed. And so that's what I've got to expand on these guys and say, man, you can do that. Like we're doing box jumps. Like, well, let's put six inches on. I don't know if I can do it. Well, but if you don't know you can do it, you're not going to do it. So let's just do it. I believe you can do it. You go do it, you know, and, and, and more after now, I got to look around like, wow, I can, didn't think I could do that. So that's what we, that's what we, we try to do. Yeah, mentality awesome. before reality. Love it. So we got a few hot ones. We, we told you we wouldn't put you too much, but here, here's right. one. You were just recently in Cabo. Uh, Air Force Ones, Coach Payton was wearing, all pearly white. Who would yeah. look better, you or Coach Payton in, in Air Force Ones? Coach, Coach Payton. Coach Payton. <laughs> and, I, and I believe actually they're Jordan Ones. Or Jordan Ones. There you Jordan, go. Okay. Yeah, he's got a Jordan contract. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We don't want to mess that, that up. That, so, you know, he wasn't wearing her. I know it's all Nike, but it's kind of, they can't mess up that brand. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Don't, NFL, don't listen to that. You understand the whole brand thing. So. Yeah. Oh, no. We're, we're trying to schedule this. So I got to go to Coach Payton's thing. And I look yeah, like but, on the ESPN's ticket. You name it. Sean is going to look better in it than me. Okay? <laughs> the quarterback always dresses better, as we can see, than the offensive lineman, right? So that's just the way it works. Oh, offensive linemen always look better, though. I uh, love it. Next one. So at Miami, you used to hold up the, the two-by-four pregame. Right. You know, so we're running out. Yep. What is a tradition now? We try to find you sometimes when I'm watching the Saints game on the sideline. Do you have a tradition now that you've, that you've brought to the Saints that you're doing pregame? Well, the thing that I do, and it's, a, it's basically every day, if you see it, um, I hold up the fourth quarter four, mm-hmm. right? Because we have the same idea that we're going to outwork people and we're going to beat them in the fourth quarter. And one of the statistics I look at is our scoring deferential in the fourth quarter, you know, finishing games is so important and that goes back that's something that randy walker started at miami back in 1990 and terry hefner so like i think of those guys are my two mentors i don't have a strength coach mentor uh randy and 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 terry uh are my mentors that way and unfortunately they're neither one of them is with us anymore but that's every time i hold up that four in the fourth quarter that's an ode to them, a remembrance to them, and that's something I try to do. And, you know, not a lot of players realize that because it's kind of a personal thing for me. But And then I also don't let my arm go down until uh, 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 the, the fourth quarter has begun, which actually is very challenging sometimes because, you know, we have all these commercial breaks and you're like <laughs> holding your arm up forever. And so I've had to work on my muscular endurance. I have a plan, a program that I work on for that. It's, it's very similar when I hold up board and you guys used to run out and try to rip it out of my hand <laughs> out of my hand yeah whereas rc the first year got it ripped out of his hand okay? so i had to call him out on that one <laughs> so, uh, a little competition there so so we, we, you used to always critique us on uh team meal i think it was the day before i don't know you guys probably have much different eating habits but we used to have you know, steak and, and, and mac and cheese, and, and you go back yeah. for ice cream. And you always would would give us some critiques coming through the line, either, you know, that's not enough on this or that. Do you yeah. still, uh, you know, how, what's what's your uh, team meal looking like these days? Well, there's, you know, it's a, it is a little different. It was definitely a lot different during COVID this past year, um, unfortunately. But, um, you know, there are some guys, like if I got guys that are, you know, needing to gain some weight, I'm going to be on them a little bit. And, uh, you know, the guys that aren't, aren't, you know, I've had to not, you know, I was in my thirties and forties when I was at or early forties, I turned 40 when I, right before I left Miami. 
uh, I'm going to be 56 now. So I've had to change my eating habits quite a bit too. So I can, I, I, I got to critique, I got to watch the critiques a little bit. So, you know, <laughs> uh, we, uh, I'm trying to stay ahead on that, but, uh, um, we keep on, we keep on top of guys. And, and now I've got a, we've got the best dietitian in the league and Jamie Meeks, our, our dietitian, and she kind of handles that, that aspect of it well, with eating. But, uh, you know, there, there's some, there's you know, some guys will get a few little nudges here and there when they're, uh, if they're closest, mainly we weigh guys in on Thursday morning. And so that's when we, that's when we make our little comments every once in a while. <laughs> God, I don't are, you, are you still throwing up one-handed snatches like crazy? I remember used to, we used to think we're well, doing. Well, yeah, I, I've had a few. Uh, uh, the last few years, I've, uh, I've 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 severely torn a pec. I oh. had to have I tore a bicep. Had to have uh, surgery on that. So I have to be a little more careful in my uh, demonstrations and be warmed up a little bit better before I, I get to get there. Because I'm just waiting for the next tendon to rip. So. <laughs> You know, it's it's kind of one of those deals. I did, however, I was 55 years old, and I participated in Squattober. You squat every day during the month of October, and I did a 550 max on squats. And then December and December, I did a 550-pound single on uh, deadlift. So, you know, technically, I've got to get 560 when I'm 56. So, you know, with a theoretical 600 at 60. But uh, we'll see if that, that goes to through. But, you know, yeah, you got to – you still gotta, you still wow. gotta do, do right. You still gotta. Go. I think I think a lot of the ex players were wanted to know pulse check where you were strength wise, and I think and we just found we out. just found out. I, I I'm not benching anymore because I my that you know it's no longer my pecs no longer attached. I just have a big <laughs> hole here where I used to be where it used to be a pec, but uh, that happened during the season and I couldn't afford uh, getting surgery and miss miss a game. So, you know, I. Uh, had to go without there so that was probably that was a mistake but anyways and there was there's a legendary story i got to confirm i think matt McEwen was telling me this that you were stitched up as a little kid right with uh like yeah, a, a with a hook in a uh, fishing wire or something like that yeah, is my, that true my, well my dad tried to start doing that um uh, and then he ended up having to tape it but yeah it, that was the initial that was the initial thing he was going to stitch it up himself my my dad was uh i didn't come by my bizarre ideas, you know, by myself. I, I, it's genetic. It yeah, I got a nice star down still. So yeah, you it's know. toughness right there. Yeah, I had to. Conf we're confirming all these stories. You know, when I was 15, he was doing. I don't think I was real tough when he was trying to stick a needle through me. But uh, you know, I also there was no crying in my in my home, so it's a little different than nice. a little different now. So. Last one? Yeah, last question. All right, sure. Coach. We ask everyone this question at the end of the episode, and before you answer, you have to agree to help Kyle and myself make it happen. Okay. Perfect. I knew you I knew, I knew, I knew yeah, trusted yeah. us. A lot, of, a lot of people who don't know us yeah. don't, don't say sure. that. Um, all right. So who is one person we should have as a guest on the Underdog Podcast, and you have to be willing to help us make it happen? Help it happen? Well, I'll tell you what, there's – that's that's a that's a that's a tough call. I mean, obviously, um, you know, Drew Brees would be the first one I would say would 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 be a person to do that, and I can try to help that happen because you know Drew has been an underdog 
his entire life and dominated it. I can't, you know, he's the guy that he wanted to go to the University of Texas. He grew up in Austin and, and then get recruited by Texas, went to Purdue and he's happy he went to Purdue. He's a proud Purdue, had a great career there and stuff like that. But then, you know, he gets to, he goes to San Diego and he's going to planning on staying there forever. And they, they released him. They, they, they drafted and it was all that whole time really, you know, when in that same draft where Ben was drafted, uh, Phillips drafted. And so Philip replaced him. They let him go. And then he's going to go, you know, play at Miami, uh, the dolphins and they don't pass his physical and he ends up here and ends up, like I said, having that career. So that's, you know, I can, uh, I can uh, send him a message and see if I can get him, get you on there, but uh, I'll do my best. He's also, he's also very, very, <laughs> very, very sought after. So <laughs> we uh, only need 30 good. minutes. You know, another guy that I could try to get in touch with would be Marcus Polston, who again would be, we talked about that Mark, that, that, that Mount Rushmore of favorite players. Mark Marcus was, you know, the, our, our second seventh round draft choice. And, um, you know, I still tell Mike Thomas, no matter what, the greatest receiver in Saints history, in my opinion, is Marcus Colston. And so that's going to, you know, Mike might make, Mike might end up passing him eventually, but uh, he doesn't have a Super Bowl ring yet. So Marcus does. So, you know, Marcus would be in it. And Marcus is doing some fantastic things right now in motivation and in business and stuff like that. So he would be another you know, of my former Saints players that I think would be fantastic stories and, and might have a little bit more uh, free time on his docket of, of, of uh, things than Drew, but we can we can definitely try to see what we can do there. Marcus was my favorite player on Madden about ten years ago. Like yeah. he, he went for, he went well, he's he from Hofstra, right? A lot of fantasy because he was drafted as a tight end and he always played receiver. Yeah, you know, thought he was going to come out coming out of Hofstra. Yeah, you know, he had his jersey retired there too because everybody did, but uh, <laughs> play football anymore. But uh, 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 didn't. <laughs> back i don't know but wow, they didn't but uh he was a, he's a he, he is a phenomenal phenomenal player and like i said a better human being and, and he was he was a privilege to be with i love him to death so you know awesome. he's, uh, he's great yeah we love we'll, it we'll love it either one man we definitely will love either one but we'll see we'll see if we can put it we'll see if they are uh, if they listen to their old strength coach or not, you know? <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sure they they love you i'm sure like all your guys players and we we, we really do appreciate you coach and hey. i can i can speak be you know thousands of people you've touched and, and more since you've left obviously ohio but um you know we just appreciate your time today and and we wish you nothing but the best and we hope to stay in touch obviously with you the best thing about coaching is being able to look back after players after players leave you and see the success they have. And it's fantastic to see what you guys are doing and what you've done with your lives. I'm so proud of you. And you know, this is a, this is a late coaching is a labor of love, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, I love all you guys and I'm, I'm proud of the guys and the, and the, the women that I coach there at Miami and obviously all the, the guys that I've had the opportunity to coach here, uh, uh, at uh, New Orleans, and you know, it's, it's it's a lifetime thing. You don't stop. You know, it's a brotherhood and, and sister brotherhood kind of thing that, that you have a family that you build, and and you're just so happy to see people go on, and you know, think that you had like maybe a little part of helping them reach the success. And you know, I've got voices in my head of of people who've told me things that that when I'm working, 
you know, I hear Randy, I hear Terry, I hear Coach Rose, Tim Rose. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my college coach, who's a great influence on me. But, uh, you know, I hope to be a little bit of an influence in, in people's lives. So you either you either serve it as an inspiration or a, or a cautionary tale in your life. And so I hope to be more of it. <laughs> more of an inspiration than a, than a, than a cautionary tale. No, you definitely are. Definitely. Great. Yeah. My mom was, was, was ecstatic when I said we were having you on. And, you know, I think too, it's like one of those, you know, you said it earlier, like you don't do a lot of podcasts, you know, you're behind the scenes. So for us, I think it was awesome, not only just to get to connect with you, but give people an inside view behind the scenes of what you do and what the life of really keeping these elite athletes up to speed what and putting on a show that we're able to enjoy you know week in week out throughout the season so with that said coach appreciate everything man and thank you very much for joining us here on the, on the show thanks guys keep it up certainly will yeah. all right